Father, we want to come to you and we're so uh, happy that um, you desire to meet with us, that you uh, have been looking forward to this evening with uh, your disciples here that, to, to just spend some time with us, Jesus. And I thank you for each person here and the gifts that you've given them and, and the fact that they're here, Lord, sharing those gifts with all of us. Um, Lord, we rejoice in your plan. It, it works wonderfully. We ask simply that you would speak to us through your words. And Lord, as we pray tonight and we, we request your work and your grace and your power in our lives, uh, Jesus, that you would answer us. We know that you always do, and so we're excited to ask of you because uh, you always give over abundantly whatever we ask. Um, please just align our hearts with you so we never ask for anything selfish or anything that's against your will. But Lord, put your will inside our hearts by your Holy Spirit, we ask. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been going through the book of First John, and uh, last week we read verse 1 of chapter 3, which said, uh, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that was, that was a great verse, and we spent the, just some time on that. And today we're going to move on to the second verse, which says, Beloved, I love how John just calls people beloved. It's a good thing to call people beloved. <laughs> now we are children of God. He just makes that statement. Now we are children of God. What he's saying there is we know for sure that we're children of God. We are certain that we're children of God. We know that we're saved. Now, do you have confidence that you are born again and saved? That's a good question to ask. And the answer to that should be, yes, yes. I am. I'm very confident that I'm born again, that I am a child of God. But sometimes we make big mistakes. And we can start to wonder sometimes can a child of God make such a big mistake? I mean, there's been murderers who were child, ch uh, ch children of God, a child of God, however you want to say it. But they made a mistake and they killed someone. Does that mean they're not a child of God? Well, we got to ask if there was repentance. After they committed their sin, and the Holy Spirit came and convicted them of that sin, do we see that fruit of repentance? Or are they still trying to, oh, it was just justifying what I did, and I was, it's not my fault, and I, it doesn't matter even if I did, and just angry and fleshly. Or was there true, genuine repentance? I did something wrong in God's sight, and I need to make it right. I'm sorry. You know, and I can't make it right, so I have to trust in Jesus only. There's actually a lot of prisoners that say that, that do that. Um, <clears throat> I did some, some prison ministry, and honestly, this was the most common question that I ever got, is how do I know that I'm saved? How can I be certain that I'm saved? Um, before we even read the, the whole rest of this verse, I want to read to you guys Romans 8.16. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So that means that the Holy Spirit, if you ask him, he'll tell you whether you're a child of God. Isn't that neat? He's not trying to hide things. He's not playing hide and seek or hide and Easter eggs with salvation. 
He is he will give you the peace inside your heart that you are a child of God. Isn't that neat? Um, okay, so he says, Beloved, back to our verse in first John three two, Beloved, we are now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So here John says, yeah, even though we're saved, we're not perfect. Do you guys agree with that? Yes. <laughs> totally, we're not perfect yet. But he says, um, you know, he says here, it hasn't even been revealed what we shall be. Uh, he says, we don't even have a lot of information of what our glorification is going to look like. Are we going to have wings? Are we going to fly? Are we going to be able to fly through time or to other planets? Am I going to be able to ride a dinosaur? All very important questions for me anyway. I, I want to ride a dinosaur. I want a pet dinosaur when I get to heaven. That is very important to me. It hasn't been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, who's he? Jesus, right. When Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him. So John says, we don't know what it's going to look like, and I'm not going to tell you, even if I did know. You know why I'm not going to tell you? Because it's not important. It's not as important as being like him. All you need to know is we're going to be like him. It's all about him. It's all about him. It's all about him. In the book of Revelation, John, the same guy, describes the temple in the new heaven and the new earth. And do you know what he says it looks like? There's 12 different stones that it's made out of. Well, what's really interesting is if you read and you research what those 12 stones are, each and every one of those stones is clear in a certain way. They have different colors and different hues and different way that they refract the light, but all of them are clear. In other words, oh, also, where is the light in heaven? Where does the light come from? It comes from Jesus, right? It com Jesus is the light, so all the light comes directly from Jesus. But if everything in heaven is made out of these stones, and all these stones are clear, the really neat thing is, no matter where you're standing in heaven, who can you see? Jesus. That's very intentional. Yeah, transparent. Okay, so ev nothing gets in the way of your vision of Jesus. It's all about looking at Jesus. That's really cool. That's really cool. So it says, when we see him, when he's revealed, we are going to be like him. We're going to be like him. For we shall see him as he is. So what he means there is there's the destination or the goal that we're going towards when we die and we go to heaven or God comes to take us back is that we're going to be transformed into his image. Now, that doesn't mean we become little clones of Jesus walking around. You know, that would be weird, right? No, you keep your own personality, who you are. You have your glorified body. But what it means is that you're going to be one with him in your heart and in your priorities. Just like 
when you got married. That's why marriage is an earthly picture of heaven. Of heaven. Because um, your heart and your priorities in, ma- in marriage line up and they have, they have um, this unity that's in them. Actually, a good marriage. If you don't have a good marriage, you're both going after different things. But if you have a good marriage, you're going the same direction. You have one heart. And that's really important. And that's what it means that we will be like him. He's not going to go our direction and be like, oh, I'm going to start liking the things that you like. <laughs> no, he's, he's the head. He's the husband. And we're going to change to like the things that he likes. Well, what kind of things does Jesus like? Just brainstorm a little bit. What do you think, Caleb? Uh, praying. Oh, yeah, he loves praying, talking to his father. He's all about that, right? He likes. We'll say barbecue or food. You know, eating around a meal. In fact, when we see when we get to heaven, there's a giant feast, and it's called the marriage feast of the Lamb. That that is right. So he likes food, especially barbecue. Maybe southern barbecue. We'll see. That's right. That's right. So that speaks of the sweet-smelling sacrifice, the sweet aroma to God. When he smelled those sacrifices, it reminded him of what Jesus would eventually be. It, it speaks of Jesus' perfect sacrifice and his obedience to be the sacrifice which makes God very happy. Isn't that pretty cool? That kind of lines up with Proverbs 10, first verse. Which says... A wise son makes his makes a glad father. Ooh, that does, right? Yeah, that lines up. Good job. All right, so the last part of this verse that we're looking at says, For we shall see him as he is. We shall see him as he is. Now, when I say Jesus, an image probably pops up in your head of what he looked like. And it's probably wrong. <laughs> Because we don't know what he looked like. In fact, God is pretty clear about the rule that we should make no graven images. You know, no, we can't even make an image of what he looks like. That's not good. Um, and um, I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Paul says, For we now see in a mirror dimly, but then... Same thing John's talking about in the future, face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. So he's saying the same thing that John is saying. Because ancient mirrors, um, they didn't have quite the techniques of mirror making as we do. And they were really cloudy. I mean, they just polished metal, right? Yeah. And uh, and so it was kind of cloudy, but what he's saying is that a clear and perfect ge- uh, vision of Jesus is the highest existence possible. That is heaven. So people ask you, what are we going to do in heaven? And some people say, well, we're playing harps. 
Some people say we're doing all this other stuff. Uh, but John and Paul both say, yeah, John and Paul, John says in this book and in Revelation, and Paul just says that the, the real big thing about heaven is you just get to look at Jesus all day long. That his glory is so amazing, you won't want to do anything else. You will be fully satisfied. And you might think, okay, well, after a billion years, seriously? And Jesus is like, you're just getting started of how amazing I am and how loving I am and how much I care for you, how much I worked out in your life. He's going to continually be explaining to us how he loved us during this life how he loves us still up in heaven. He's going to be, our relationship with him is not going to ever get boring. In fact, that will be, boringness will be cast out. We will have nothing but perfect enjoyment and pleasure in the sight of God, in his face. That is pretty, pretty cool. I love that. <laughs> that is a good example. That is a good example. Yeah, exactly. Well, look with me now. I just want to get a little deeper. Want to see something else? That's cool. You want to? All right, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll look at verse 6. We'll just, just briefly, because it has a cool little connection to what we just talked about, the face of Jesus. He says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Okay, what's he talking about there? Yeah, what do you think, Caleb? I think he's talking about... Uh... When light shined out of darkness... It's when he created the world. On the first day, the first thing he did, he said, let there be light. light. Right. And he said, let there be light. And it was dark before that. And then all of a sudden there was light. And so he, what he says here is he's the God who made light to shine out of darkness. Where did the light come from? Well, it didn't exist before. God created it. It was a new thing that he created. So he says here, for the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts. Why did he bring up God creating light out of nothing? Because that's what God does in your heart. Your heart before God is dark. No life, no light. But he comes and he shines in our hearts. Where does that light come from? Well, it didn't exist before. He created it. He said, let there be light in Asian's heart. Let there be light in Veronica's heart. Let there be light in Sean's heart. I don't know if he's done it to you. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So he's shined in our hearts, it says, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now that's a lot of words, so we need to break them down and see what it is. He shines his light, means he creates it, and he gives it to us, okay? 
to give the light of the knowledge. So he's shining light to give knowledge. He's teaching. He wants you to know something of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? Well, it's how amazing God is. It's how deep God is. It's how wonderful God is. It's the reason we never get bored with God. It's the reason why God satisfies you more than anything in this world. Money or power or fame. This is the glory of God is the reason why. He's worth it. He's better. He's better, he's better, he's better than whatever you can throw out there. He's better. So this light God produces in us to um, shine the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in what? In the face of Jesus Christ. So what Paul's saying here is, you don't even have to wait until heaven to see the face of Jesus Christ. God will show you what his face looks like in your heart. In your heart. And I think that is an awesome, awesome gift. As you spend time with the Lord, as you ask him to shine your light in me, you know, you, oh, you read the word of God with a humble heart and with faith. He does a work of teaching you who Jesus is and what his face looks like. That, that means his, uh, his personality, his, his emotions, his, the intimacy is all in the face. That's what that speaks of. And so, no, not, not literally a picture of Jesus. That is not what I'm talking about. It's figurative for his character, you know, and, and then what you do is you can actually walk around through this dark world and all of a sudden you, you know the character of Jesus and things start to break your heart that didn't break your heart before because you see, you feel, you, the light has shone in your heart that you know that that's not according to the will of God. You see something. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a person that's just struggling. And your heart now is different. It's changed because what? Jesus, God, shined a light and gave you a knowledge, an image of who Jesus is. But it's in the heart. Yeah, you're not going to get an image of his face. You know, the Shroud of Turin... Have you heard of that? Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, we have a picture of the face of Jesus on this thing. And um, to me, it's just a, a, a grand waste of time. Um, yeah, that's all I need to say about that. So that's our our look at the face of Jesus for tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right.